Welcome. You are listening to Central Synagogue's podcast, featuring sermons, lectures, and conversations from Manhattan's historic Central Synagogue. I'm Rabbi Angela Bookdahl. Each week, we invite you to listen to messages of strength and hope given by our clergy on Shabbat or Jewish holidays. You can also listen to audio recordings of other programs and lectures given at Central by subscribing to this podcast on the platform of your choice. If you'd like to watch our live stream services or learn more about our congregation, I invite you to visit us at centralsynagogue.org. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon. And raise me up to a world living, oh, safe from the storm, in the shelter of your shalom. In 1943, American painter Norman Rockwell published his famous painting, Freedom from Want. You've likely seen this painting or one of its many parodies, uh, but I'll offer uh, the image up so you can take a look at it. You'll see it on your screens. There it is, Norman Rockwell's famous painting, Freedom from Want. It's become one of the most salient images of American abundance. Look at that image. You have this large family, extended family, everyone's all smiles, except for the turkey, but everyone else is all smiles. You have a fine table that's set, and that is honestly the largest bird anyone's ever eaten. This is quite an image, and I've been thinking a lot about this painting and what it says about us and what it asks of us in this moment right now. Rockwell's painting, Freedom from Want, was one of a series that he put together in response to President Franklin Delano Roosevelt's 1941 State of the Union Address. Within that speech, President Roosevelt enumerates four basic freedoms that America must promote abroad and at home. They are freedom of speech, freedom to practice one's religion, freedom from fear, and then freedom from want. Now, freedom from want might strike us as an unusual freedom to lay as four fundamental ones for America. After all, it is not outlined specifically in the Constitution or the Bill of Rights, and yet its promise predates Roosevelt. Freedom from want has been baked into the American dream since our founding. And while the decked-out table of Thanksgiving dinner that Rockwell depicted in his painting might demonstrate that promise of abundance. Other American leaders turned to older images to make the very same point. President George Washington was fond of using a biblical image to depict freedom from want. More than 50 times in his correspondence and writings and speeches, Washington references a verse from our Bible. Uh, Thanks to Hamilton, you've likely heard of it. Everyone shall sit under their own vine and fig tree, and none shall make them afraid. Here, in this verse, our ancestors depict the messianic era, a time when all of the earth lives in abundance. And for Washington, this is the quintessential illustration of what America promised its citizens. America was to be an Eden for all of its inhabitants. 
So whether we rely on the imagery of our Bible or the imagery of Rockwell's painting, freedom from want is a foundational part of the promise of America and what our nation hopes to deliver to all who dwell within it. In the coming weeks, we Americans will mark the first Thanksgiving since the outset of the COVID-19 pandemic. It will be one more holiday marred by COVID-19, distanced from family, traditions upended, gatherings restricted. And while we mourn for what we've lost, there is also so much for which we can be grateful. Many of us will be able to spend the night in homes that shelter us. Many of us will be able to cook or acquire a meal much like Rockwell's famous image. Many of us, in short, will be able to sit under vines and fig trees, even if we're not surrounded by our family and friends. And for that, we can be most grateful. But for millions of Americans, this will not be the case. We face a Thanksgiving that should give us pause. Hunger stalks our land. And yet in America, there is no real scarcity we could feed every person in our nation if we had the political will to do so. And I say political will because most of us agree that feeding the hungry is a morally righteous act, and yet that hasn't translated into policy. 35 million Americans went hungry before the pandemic struck. 35 million. Estimates are that today, 54 million of our neighbors are struggling with food insecurity. I will not minimize the complexity of this issue. You and I might disagree about how best to create a nation that is free from want. On matters of policy, we should have a healthy debate. And yet, astonishingly, voices are growing louder in the halls of power who question the venture entirely. Voices that have found the power to gut the programs that were put in place by Republican and Democrat governments who sought to create a nation where poverty is banished. Their sentiments glorify selfishness by rebranding it as American individualism. These voices say, I have a vine and fig tree. Why should I help you plant yours? They say, I've created an Eden for myself. What responsibility do I have for the souls east of Eden eking out an existence? And like Joseph's brothers, they managed to eat in peace with untroubled hearts while their brothers or their sisters are in distress. Those who hold this view try to convince us that theirs is the American way. And yet until recently, it was it was widely agreed that our government could and should address the needs of the hungry. President Richard Nixon, whom I do not often quote, did groundbreaking work to combat hunger. He addressed Congress in 1969 with a moral charge. He said that hunger and malnutrition should persist in a land such as ours is embarrassing and intolerable. Something very like the honor of American democracy is at issue. 
On one occasion after another, in a succession of acts of true generosity, America has come to the aid of one starving people after another. But the moment is at hand to put an end to hunger in America itself. For all time, he said. And yet we've, we've failed to heed that call. And so we're forced to reckon with the fact that whether you live in midtown Manhattan, some other part of our city, or you're streaming from some other town, children in your neighborhood are going to bed with churning and aching stomachs, no matter your zip code, no matter your school district, each and every day. So what can we do? Right this moment, given the lack of government leadership, given our government on vacation, the clearest way to help is through philanthropy and through charity. We should donate to our local food banks. We should support organizations like Hunger Free America or Mazon, City Harvest. There are so many others doing incredible work here in our neighborhoods and all over this nation. But these are not long-term solutions to the hunger crisis in America. Charity and goodwill has never and will never be adequate enough to address food insecurity. For that, we will need to put pressure on the new Congress and the new administration. We must ask them to respond, to bolster the programs that have been eviscerated in the past four decades, and to create new ones to address these new days. In the year ahead, as we continue to feel and understand the economic repercussions of this pandemic, let people of faith and people of conscience reinvest in the promise of a nation that is free from want. Let those whose vines and fig trees are secure help our neighbors to plant their own. And know all of your ways and wisdom. Oh, you keep me safe. And I'd always praise your name. Thank you for listening to this edition of Central Synagogue's podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you're in the loop on future episodes. And please follow us on social media or watch our live stream at centralsynagogue.org, our Facebook page, or on national cable at the Jewish Broadcasting Service. Thanks again for joining us. Shalom,